Welcome in to another episode of By Order of the Peaky Blinders. What happens on this podcast is we basically break down everything we know and everything we can speculate about the 1920s family gang drama on Netflix and BBC. And if you finished all five seasons that are currently out, welcome in. We may uh, we may have some spoilers throughout in this episode. Josh, there will be spoilers. There's, there's going to be spoilers. What we're going to do, we're going to provide a little bit of, of extra content. You know, essentially what we're going to do, we're waiting for the Season 5 review and recap, which is going to come when we're finished with our Patreon Season 5 breakdown, which I'll tell you about in a little bit. But what really we're going to do in this episode is we're going to break down the two that we've lost. The two characters, the beloved characters. I mean, a lot of people have died in, in, the, in the five seasons of Peaky Blinders. But no two more important. And by the way, if you haven't gotten through five seasons, I would not listen right now. Just stop, please, because <laughs> we don't want to be those guys. No characters more important and more beloved that we have lost than John and Grace Shelby. So welcome in. I'm Daniel Gilman. And I'm Josh Levy. We're excited to break this down. We were uh, trying to figure out different ways that we can, we can keep this podcast going without having to do season breakdowns. And so we decided to to do some in-depth deep dives to a couple characters and what what better way uh, than than to start with with the money that have fallen exactly so we'll have a little bit of a mixture a bit of maybe a little fan fiction if you guys want to give us your thoughts of what grace did before you know we met her in the pilot or what john did before he was being smacked in the head for losing his gun and hanging out with his kids so go ahead of course send us your feedback like us on facebook at facebook.com slash peaky podcast we're on twitter at by order of peaky click those five stars click those three stars however many stars you want to give us to be honest i don't lose sleep over our star ratings but we do like to talk about some of our reviews and we laugh over them especially the negative ones that josh and i get so those are always fun and Send us your feedback via email at bootpeakyblinders at gmail.com. Josh? I think that my favorite review is the one of the guy who said that we were, were too young, I think he said, which which is interesting. I thought that and was then, one of those. And then that we're, we we do it kind of like it's like play-by-play, play and it's like, well, we're, we are, well, we are breaking down episodes. No, it was – I think, I think the, <laughs> the specific review said – it's too much like a sports broadcast. Which is funny because because our friend Daniel over here in his free time likes yeah. to be a sports broadcaster. Yeah, I, I happen to uh, dabble in play-by-play broadcasting. And I will say, I mean, well, he put his name as annoyed former listener. That's upsetting. And he says, these, these guys do a great job running over the episodes in detail. Very similar to sports commentary, which adds a comedic side to this podcast for me. Just stop right there. Just stop. That's a great yeah. review. 10 out of 10. <laughs> oh, man. We love it. We love it. We but love apparently it. we lack culture. I don't know. Yeah. I guess maybe because we don't have the accent. A lot of people I've heard have complained. They said, hey, we love the show, but it's hard to get in it with the American accents. But now that we've got, you know, Gina, at least we do a better American accent than Gina do. does. My dear Lord, do we. All right. So now, Josh, I got a big question for you. Th- those people, they're wondering what Patreon is. I'm probably sure. You know, we've got... We've got these thousands of listeners. We only have a couple that take advantage for less than a cup of coffee to get extra bonus Peaky Blinders content. Josh, have you listened to any of our Patreon stuff? I have. I am an I am an avid Patreon listener. As, I'm obsessed. As, as well as contributor. 
Yeah, I mean, you you could. Some might call you a contributor. I'm a contributor. You know, I'm also <laughs> I'm also a fan. So, so I highly recommend for for you guys to, to definitely to definitely take advantage of this offer because these are these are different spins on our on our episode breakdowns that you definitely want to definitely want to listen to. Well, at this moment, Josh and I are four episodes into our season five spoiler filled breakdown, and we've got the loyalist of Peaky Heads that are contributing, that are giving us feedback, and then we're doing more bonus episodes where we just go back and forth with that feedback. So if you finish Season 5 and you want more talk about Peaky Blinders than just our our quick instant reactions, go on patreon.com slash Peaky. Click that you want to be a Peaky Head. It's $5 a month, and you can listen to our episode-by-episode spoiler-filled breakdowns, including bonus episodes when we finish Season 5, where Josh and I are going to expand, talk about the music, talk about the different actor choices, talk about season six, talk about the options for Tommy Shelby and the options for the actor who plays Tommy Shelby. Maybe, just maybe, Killian Murphy might be in the works of something I've heard. So you won't be able to hear about anything like that right here on the ad-based podcast. Just going to be able to do it on Patreon. Now, Josh, let's get into it. Who do you want to start with? I think... You want to start with John or Grace? Uh, let's start with uh, ladies first. Ladies first. Okay, we'll start with Grace because I think we're going to have a lot more to say about Grace. And so as a lot of this information I'm getting in terms of the uh, the background stuff is from peakyblinders.fandom.com. And Grace's middle name is Helen. I'm not sure if we heard that. Maybe maybe it was a, it was mentioned upon maybe at the wedding. Maybe. So we got we have Grace Helen Burgess. Okay. And there's a lot that we don't see of Grace Helen Burgess, later Grace Helen Shelby. So, I mean, obviously everyone here knows what we saw of Grace Shelby, what we saw of John Shelby. I think it'd be interesting to speculate both before she meets Tommy and then when she goes to America, what life was like for Grace. Because obviously she was the daughter of a very, you know, esteemed policeman. They they never really go into it. I don't think they ever even say her dad's name because it's not on here either. We just get a lot of mention from Campbell uh, referring to, to her, which is uh, – Campbell's a fucking throwback as well. My God, I forgot about that man. But Yeah, we're going to have to get – we're going to have to do an episode about him too. Oh, definitely, definitely. We will, we will have an episode dedicated to him. So Grace is from Galway. Starts in the beginning. She was not lying about it. She keeps her Galway accent throughout. And so – Give me a, a little bit of insight in your mind on what Grace Shelby's upbringing was. Because she was born in, this says 1894. So when the show starts, what is she, 20? She's 1919 is when it starts, right? Yeah, what is that, 23, 24 years old? She's 25 years old. Yeah, 25. Which is, eh, I mean, it's pretty It's pretty young, obviously. It's, it's, a t- it's a television show, so it's hard to like accurately depict. I mean, she's in her, what, late 30s, early 40s? In re- like, late 30s when the show started? The actress? In, in real life? Right. Uh, let's see. Annabelle Wallace. Like, how old is she right now? She's 34 right now, so she oh, was wow. only, like, okay. 28 when the okay. show started. All right, so that's, that's well. It's, pretty, it's, a rare, it's a rare accurate age for, right. for an actor. Right. I mean, like, Jon Snow was supposed to be, like, 15 years old. <laughs> yeah, but let's... I mean, I think it's interesting, because imagine 24 years old, she must have been an absolute protege in the right. in the Academy. Right. I mean, I, I... The way that I picture her, I mean, she was brought up in a very, you know, well, 
well-esteemed family. You know, everyone has, everyone respects her family, you know, but she wasn't like, she, she wasn't like entitled, you know, she wasn't the kind of person, in my opinion, that wanted to be known because of her family. She wanted to be brought up, you know, by herself and through her own actions. And so I feel like she's the kind of person, like a self-made woman. And that's, that's the kind of thing that I like, I thought that her life was like before we actually met her. It's just, it's really interesting because obviously a lot of this background is taken from the wedding between Grace and Tommy and they're all cavalry members. Right. So I wonder, obviously her uncle was in the army. Her dad was, was maybe a soldier and then an inspector or a cop. But it makes me think, did she have siblings? Was she an only child? A lot of this stuff, you know, now that we can really deep dive into it, it can, it can be, it can be peaked out and, and we can water this flower and start to really dive into some, some theories. And obviously if you guys at home have any about Grace Shelby and maybe some little hints here or there that Stephen Knight dropped about her childhood, about her upbringing, it was clear that she had a lot of money, Josh, but at the same time, I almost feel like she's only taking jobs like this because she has to. Don't you feel like going to Birmingham is not a high-level job? So it's not like she's up in the top echelon of, of the police academy. Definitely not like a high level. I, mean, it, I don't know. She seems like a very ambitious woman. It was like a. It was. It was a job that she, maybe it was like she wanted to prove to herself that she could do. She wanted to make make her father proud. I mean, I don't. I don't know exactly, but she was on a mission early on. Like she was like, I'm doing this. I want to do this. I want to show like what I'm worth. And it was a completely different Grace the first few episodes of of the season to when we last saw her. Like completely different character, complete 180 in dynamic and. And her character arc, and it was very interesting to, if you kind of think about it from start to finish to see the, the different, very serious. At the beginning, she was so serious, and she never, you know, she would never smile, and she was all about business. And then later on, she's joking around, smiling, you know, making jokes with Tommy all the time. So it was just very interesting to start to finish. It's easy to say that love kind of tore her off of this, but you have to assume that Grace has always had like a dark side, right? Because. Yeah. Yep, yep, Even yep. from the very beginning, just taking a job like this, you have to have something on the inside that brings you to this gross town. And I mean, from the from the way that it's portrayed in the, in the pilot of this of the show, Birmingham is not a place that has women. You you never even here's an interesting thing. Aside from Ada and Polly and maybe like Esme, you don't really see women that often. No, hundred percent you don't. And they're I mean, not to like point out a stereotype but i mean this time i mean the women were 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 at home and they were they were they were they were keeping up with the home and they were making sure that 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 they were cooking and that they were and so whenever we see them they're always like cooped up in their house you know doing their womanly duties as 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 it was at that time and so we never see them except for the shelby clan and the shelby and gray clan which and and lizzie as well you know because they're part of the business but that's the only really that's basically the only thing we really see they're never at the garrison having a good time you know, we never. It's always a, a male-dominated population at, at at all at all the gatherings of drinking, and so that is something to point out. And so, it's it takes a bold, bold, bold woman to step into this climate, step step into this environment, in and, her green in her green outfit, right? And to step in here and, but but you can tell she's nervous. You know, in the beginning, she's very she's very skittish. She's very feverish to. To, to, to being out in the open like that. You know, she's, she, you can tell that she's nervous. She was also unprepared. Like, fucking Campbell didn't even tell her about Tommy Shelby. Oh, but she knew. She knew. Well, I mean, she yeah, once she saw her, but... She found out. You have to think, what if she was prepared for him 
and she didn't fall for him because she'd already known about him, things could have changed at that point. But it's interesting. From a cinematography standpoint as well, they always point out the the dresses that Ada and Polly are wearing when they walk around because they're right. so they're so bright compared to the darkness around. So that's always interesting. And then Grace never wore those bright dresses. I mean she wore she wore extravagant clothes. Well but she wore the red she wore the red dress. Yes, but that's that was that that was at the race that everyone else was wearing extravagant right. clothing too. I'm talking about when she walked around Birmingham. She always felt like she kind of belonged. Mm. And now let's wrapping up Grace here, let's talk about Let's talk about when she went to New York, and she married a uh, good old uh, Clive McMillan, who died. Do we even know his? Do we even know his name from the show? Like, did they ever mention his name? I think did in they? the in the credits it did. Okay, well, I mean that was, I mean, we all knew that once we saw her again that that she was coming back. Like, we kind of didn't see her for a second, and you're like, all right, is this character like gone for good? And then once we saw her, I knew that she wasn't sticking with this guy. But what do you think her life was like? I mean, we're talking about two years spent in New York. Well, she, I think, I think they alluded to the fact that the guy was very wealthy. They spent a lot of money on her. They traveled, you know, she probably enjoyed her life, but it was just, it wasn't for her. It's not the life for her. She's not, she's meant to be someone who is like, a you know, as, as we saw in season three, when she, when she, you know, had the foundation and the Grace Shelby Institute. She's the kind of person that that should be doing that kind of stuff and not spent just like spending money and living a lavish lifestyle. It just doesn't fit her build, in my opinion. Even though she probably did in her past life before the show, as you mentioned, she comes from a lot of money. But as I said, she's kind of like a self-made woman, and she wants she wants to do a lot of things in the world. That's just the way I no, I I, I agree. It. It's just so it's so crazy that like I think the first sign of Grace really being comfortable in her own skin came in one of her final scenes when she's talking about setting up the big gathering that she ends up getting killed in. She's so excited that all of these important people from Birmingham are going and they think she thinks it's because of her invitation, even though really Tommy set it all up. But it's like you finally get to see the real Grace. And that's why... Right. The, like the very happy, bubbly And that's Grace. why I think, in hindsight, it's really the, the worst part that she... We didn't get her for at least a few more episodes after that. Because we only really got the serious grace. We didn't get the, yeah, bubbly. We didn't get her bubbly. And and we talked about in one of our episodes, one of our, one of our breakdowns, I don't remember exactly which one. What what would have happened if she stayed, yeah. Right. We I think it was in one of our Grace's Secret segments. Like, like do we think that Grace's character could have lasted throughout season five? Like, like, just hypothetically speaking, just spitballing. And it's like... Maybe not through season five, but like a little bit of season four. Like I, I, I would just like to see what she can do with, with, with all this, with all, with all these new developments in her life. Like I, I would like to see how she, how she reacted if she became very serious, if she became like just a boss businesswoman, if she became you know just someone who just runs this to, to the nines. And so it was, it was frustrating, and and like, I, I still remember exactly where I was when I watched the, the moment when she, when she passed. Yeah. And and like you remember my reaction, you were you were waiting for it, and I was like distraught for like two days. And I and I, and I mentioned, and I'm gonna repeat myself, very similar to to when I saw Khaleesi die, when I saw Khaleesi burn down King's Landing. I was just like, this is this is sad. Like I was so attached to a character, so emotionally drawn to Grace. She's one of my favorite characters in television, and she's just gone, just like that, because of you know it's gonna segue into our next character, all because of John. 
All because of John. 100, the Sapphire did nothing. It was 100%. The Sapphire did 100% John's fault. And so now let's get to the, to the, the devilishly handsome, yet fucking stubbornly. And it's the first second you see John in the history of Peaky Blinders, and it's him doing something stupid, like leaving his gun around his little kids and Polly whooping on him for it. And yet it was something even stupider, which led to the death of Grace and then ultimately the death of John. I'm surprised Esme survived. I don't know if we'll ever see Esme again, but let's let's get into it. John Shelby, middle name Michael, also known as Johnny or John Boy, <laughs> a one-third shareholder in the Shelby Family Company Limited, born in 1895, died at the age of 31, went to war, and was a cavalry and machine gunner, which is interesting because they don't really talk about that too much, that Tommy always shits on the cavalry members, but his own brother was one of them. This is that's that's a that's a very interesting point because I thought about this the other day. We get so much insight into the into the PTSD of Tommy, but we never get any insight to the PTSD of John and Arthur in this show. And it's something that I wish that we did because you almost forget that they were in the war. And I understand that they were in different they were in different aspects of the war. And Tommy was a tunneler, and you know he was underground. And there was obviously different things happened, but like. John was like John was like shooting machine guns and had like you know artillery all around him and loud noises. He's got to have some PTSD. Yeah, hold on, let me correct you there because we did get some about Arthur's PTSD because there was that whole well sequence. Hold on, there was a sequence before he was introduced to Tokyo, where he had deep PTSD for a few episodes, and then Finn shows in yeah. Tokyo, and then everything changes for Arthur. But it's kind of brushed over. Like they don't really go. They don't do a deep dive, which is right. fine. It's not like Wizbang. I don't need to have like like a, a Lazarus David Bowie you know laced music scene of, of of them going crazy, but there really isn't a lot of mention of John. I think that it would have been very helpful to to have that insight to kind of explain his brash his brash attitude and character. So John's twenty four years old, and I know we've talked about this in one of the, pr- the one of the very first episodes of our podcast. We we did the calculation on how old John was. John had four kids at the age of twenty four. With a, a wife named Martha Shelby, mm-hmm. all this information, you know, via this uh, this fandom website, Martha Shelby, we know, we know nothing about. We just know that she died. We she died before the show started. Martha, they they say like a couple times in the first two episodes. Yeah, she died right. died before the show started. Never explains why she died. We just know that they've got uh, the four children. Only one of them has a name. Just Katie. It's the only the only child that we know the name of. From John and Martha is Katie Shelby, who is a daughter that we, we don't, I mean, we don't know anything. The only reason we know that is because after John and Esme get married, one of the, uh, one of Esme's brothers yells, Katie's wet the bed. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, and that's a, a very, uh, it's, it's, it's a scene that I, that I remember very vividly is when John marries Esme and, and the whole wedding and how he's fucking nervous as shit about who they're setting him up with. It's it might it might not be you know to his liking, you know he he reveals his love for Lizzie basically. Let's do that. Let's let's do a hypothetical right now of what would have happened if John and Lizzie got married, in oh, terms man. of the grand I... scheme of the show, because not much would have changed in John's life. You know the difference between John and Lizzie and John and Esme isn't too much, except maybe Esme is a little bit more uh, like against the rules. Lizzie's more of a rule rule listener, and so John would have been a good. But what would have happened with Tommy? Think about Tommy the differences. Lizzie, Tommy admits to to Lizzie saving his life. I, 
like yeah. you know, when Tommy when, wouldn't have when, had anyone to fuck after Grace died. It, but he said he even said you know when he was going through all the payments to everybody at the end you know uh, I think it was at the end of season four no end of three when he's end of three sorry end of three when he says you know you know and here's here's to you because of you know I don't remember exactly what he says but he's like but when things got basically toughest you were there for me when when like no one else could be I mean obviously saying that that she provided you know in, in the love love making and pleasure but you know deeper than that it was probably just someone to to talk to if he needed it and. So she was just super important in in Tommy's arc and making sure that he didn't lose him lose himself after Grace. And I, I'm thinking of this just now. Could you could you imagine a couple episode stretch where John and Tommy that that, that could have gone? I'm sure Steve and I thought about it. Imagine if John marries Lizzie, Tommy fucks Lizzie after they get married, and then instead of next season being Michael versus Tommy, we could have had a season with John versus Tommy, which would have been pretty cool. So non Peaky Blinders like though of like it would have it would have been soap soap opera ash <laughs> yeah like the Real Housewives of Birmingham. <laughs> I mean, when you think but, about uh, it, every show is a soap opera, but this one's no, not very soap opera. But I would also like to point out that like Tommy is the one who basically like sets up Lizzie in that scene early on about yeah you know, like saying like you know, like he like he's like one more one more time he solicits the pros like her 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 services basically just to set her up and. Remember, I said you, you you call me out, but I mean, like, obviously, it's not it's not like a hundred percent correct, but like, I always felt like there was some affinity and some affection of Tommy towards Lizzie. Like, obviously, like she was more property to him, but like he still like he. I feel like he was like kind of possessive of her in a way that he was like, no way, John's gonna marry her. Like, I still like you know, like whatever was mine can't be his. Right. And he he. She's always Tommy's Plan B, and and so if you right. lose your Plan B, you start to really get worried. And but so it, it's yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's that, I mean that's an interesting one. I'd love to be just give me a spin-off of like John and Arthur working together in the Warwickshire Yeomanry mm-hmm. as as gunners. I would love to watch that. I I am curious to see if uh I could see John having the kids like all right when he got back from war just because he missed sex so much. <laughs> just banging them all out. All, all in a span oh, of like five years, four, for sure, four kids in five years, kind of guy. We see him having sex more than any other character in the show, like yeah, with, with Esme too. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, I mean Arthur, I guess, because we, no, we get the scene with Linda. We kind of see everyone have a lot of sex. Uh, Tommy probably has the most. Yeah, but we see like we see John, John lot, doing it in very inconspicuous places. But um, I mean, John's union with Esme is a, is an interesting pairing as well, and it. It, it took off in the first episode. We're like, oh, yeah, good for John. Good for John. Yep, and then it started to dwindle. It started to dwindle very quickly, and, you know, it started to do Tokyo and, and and whatnot. And But but John John is one of the most frustrating character arcs of the show, if not the most frustrating, because there were so many times where you thought that he was turning around and getting really serious and maturing. You know, he has all these kids to take care of, and he's married, and he, he loves Esme, and then, and then it, everything just takes a turn in season three. Well, and, Esme starts to do drugs while she's pregnant, and then she wants to leave because right. she's meant to be a roamer. He, they have three kids together, John and Esme. John's got seven kids, dude. Do you know that the, the John and Tommy, they're, they're, John, Tommy, and Arthur could field an entire baseball team and a designated hitter? That's impressive. That's impressive, and they're probably they're all probably they're probably gonna grow up to be just like their just like their uh, mothers and fathers. So yeah, let me let me ask you this. There's not much we can talk about John in terms of like what 
we, we can't really have much future talk about these two characters because they gone. They dead and gone. But if you if you could just take your 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 hypothetical glasses and if John did run away with Esme, what do you think would have happened? Well, they kind of did run away. They did get away. You're right. They but, did get away. No, but it was but like, after he away, spent time away. in prison. Right, right. If it, it things would have been different, things would have been so different because they wouldn't have they wouldn't have lashed out against the Changretas in general. That's that's the main thing. Like they would, it. it's all John's fault. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't have poked the bear with uh, Vicente Changreta and Mrs. Changreta. All right, here's the last little bit that I have on John. It's very interesting because I remember there was one exchange where Ada goes to John and Ada says, "You're not like Tommy. Mm-hmm. You're not built like him. You need to get out of this." Esme says the same thing to him too. You just don't have it in you. You're, you don't have that same fire in your eye. You're not a killer like your brother is. But yet, it's John trying to be too much of a gangster and talking about breaking Vincente's son's legs that snapped everything. No. And it's it's and, and you know what? It makes me think that John isn't too soft of a guy. He just, he, he, it's, he is what he is. He's one of those just tryhards that he belongs in this world because that's what he is. And there's a lot of different things that, the, the way that I view this whole thing developing, you know, it's it's a stretch, and I, and I don't think it's that. And I don't think it's like the main purpose of John going crazy in this instance. But John was like in love with Lizzie at a point, okay. And why did this all start? Why did this he all was start? In love with the idea of Lizzie, I think. right? But I think he also was just like kind of like it was just like one of those pride things as well. Oh, right? you're right, right, because Angel was because with Lizzie. Angel was with Lizzie, and that's how this all started. Yeah. And it was a pride thing. It was like. No, like if 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 I if I couldn't have her, like this motherfucker is not gonna have her, especially on my turf, kind of thing, walking through my streets, and like it's not. It was at the wedding too, right? right. That's how it all started. Exactly. Yeah. So like it's a stretch, but it's it's one of those things that that this is why why we're running this podcast right now, running this extra content because we're allowed to we're allowed to fantasize about this kind of stuff, and it's 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 something that I think Stephen Knight is so brilliant in the way that he does throw these little loops in to make you think, like. You can view it in any way you want, any perspective you want, just like Game of Thrones did. So I don't know if it's that far of a stretch, but it could relate back to that. But it was very frustrating because it just set everything in motion. And one more thing that I thought was very interesting was that John wanted nothing to do with with Arthur Sr. John wanted nothing to do with his own dad. Even Finn was talking to his dad. Obviously, Arthur was encapsulated by him. But John was not fooled by it so i wonder what kind of upbringing that was being the youngest of those three i'm not talking about finn yet because there was a long time when it was just arthur tommy and finn and 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 john and they and they allude at their little i guess memorial for him for the father when they're talking together if john remembers like they're like oh do you do you even remember and he was like yeah he was singing that song all night so like there's like very flat like flashes of memories probably with his father he probably doesn't remember really and like when he needed him the most when he was a young young child he wasn't there so i'm sure he just despises him not to mention i'm sure having to kill all those innocent train workers kind of just kind of just ruined him yeah it's like even he was the only one in prison that like was unaffected almost you know it was like he's like oh whatever he he was yeah he's just like Like, kind of deserved this i almost deserved it yeah right exactly he was the only one when he got the black hand where he was like oh this is it you know my reckoning has come yeah and i I mean just 
I I definitely was super sad when he passed. Not that I thought that he deserved it, but he's but he got what was coming for him. But he did deserve it. Was it was one of those deaths. It was like poetic when in a sense where it was like there was no doubt. Like he just got lit up, lit up by like fifty bullets. It is funny. I'm I'm looking up here. He's got the quote. His first line to Michael was, "I used to put you in a shoebox and kick you down watery lane." <laughs> yeah, that was a funny one. That was a funny one. That's great. So hold on, before we finish up here, I want to remind you guys that this podcast is sponsored by a company that doesn't just say they'll help the less fortunate. They do it like the Shelby Company Limited does. Bare Bottom Clothing. If you haven't checked them out, just go to their website, bare like the animal bottomclothing.com. Use the promo code Peaky. P-E-A-K-Y, 15% off. You've got swim trunks, khaki shorts, the new stretch jogger. I'm going to Australia for a vacation soon, and I'm going to grab a couple of those brand new swim trunks. Everything is made with premium adventure-ready fabrics. It's going to be super comfy all day long. Obviously, the sweat is just going to dry right up with that stuff. And here's the best part, Josh. For every item you buy, what do they do? They send a pair of shorts to a child in Bangladesh that really needs one. Is it it's just a win-win, a discount and donation? Oh, there's there's no brainer. I mean, this is this is a steal of the century, literally. So I'm, we're gonna take some we're gonna take some some suggestions for what our next breakdown should be. I'm leaning towards those who have been forgotten, kind of like you know Inspector Moss and Jeremiah and. Maybe what that was, what what they were like before we met them, and then now after we could obviously do Inspector Campbell as well. Everyone is up for up for grabs. I don't. I, I think we have to do an episode coming up soon where we do Johnny Dogs and Alfie, like an ode to the goats. And I and I, and I only talk in Alfie's voice. Yeah, raw. Right, yeah. Right. And I could do Curly. Raw. Right, yeah. That's yeah. Right. That's your only good one is the Curly. It's the only one I have for me. <laughs> I can do a I can do a half-assed Johnny Dogs. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. right. Yeah. We have to do we we'll have to pour some out for our old guy Jordan Bolger, who was Isaiah before they replaced him. Always, man. He went from Isaiah to Isaiah. 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 <laughs> As he got older, his name changed. Yeah, exactly. So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna try to keep keep things fresh for you guys who are still tuning in to try to get some some quality content. But of course, if you want the ad-free, the good stuff, I mean the pure opium, straight. From Brilliant Chang's fucking hat. You go to patreon.com slash buy order of Peaky. You sign up so that you can get the episode by episode season five breakdowns and everything we're going to do for season six. We're going to just up it on Patreon for our most loyal of Peaky heads. Obviously, send us your feedback via email at bootpeakyblinders at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. And Josh, do you care if we get a four star, five star, as long as they rate us, right? That's all we care about. I would love a four, four or five star rating, but you know, we're this is this is the circle of honesty over here, okay? So so we don't we don't care. We we might roast your review online if it's bad, but just just you have been fully advised. Got to do what you got to do. Thanks so much for listening, guys. He's Josh. I'm Daniel, and we binge, so you don't have to.